Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on February 11th, 2024 on the basis of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 to 6. The portion for our meditation this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 to 6. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. This is God's word. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as you you grow in your ability of reading scripture, and it becomes something that you get better at over the course of time, um, you start to develop a rhythm in how you meditate on Scripture. So when, when you first are, are new to all of it, right, and you're, you're going to sit down and you're going to start uh, reading the Bible for the first time, maybe the, the first thing that you're going to do is try to, to read and figure out just what is being said. What's, what's this author saying to me? Uh, what's this author saying in general? Um, and, and what does it mean? And then as you start to get the, the hang of that, uh, you might start to, to meditate a little deeper on that and, and make some applications to your life, right? So what is the author saying? What does it mean? And how can I take that truth that I'm learning within that and apply it to my life, whether it's convicting or comforting or, or showing me how to live, um, any of those things, right? And then, as you grow in your, your meditation, you want your meditation to be not just something that, that happens for 15 minutes in the morning and then you discard for the rest of the day, but you, you leave with a, a what now. Uh, I've read this section of scripture, so what now? What's different about my life for the rest of the day, for the rest of this week, because I have read that text? That's a pretty good framework in which to read the Bible. And so we're going to do that this morning in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to dig out what the Apostle Paul is saying. We're going to make some applications to our life, and we're going to leave with a what now. And so we need to start with a little bit of context here. You got from the very first verses here that Paul is talking about the gospel, and specifically about the ministry of the gospel, about how people are bringing the gospel and preaching the gospel to other people. I'm going to include just a few verses here from the beginning from the first few verses that we didn't read, just to give us a little bit of context. So he says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. There were, back then, and still are, uh, plenty of times in the the work of gospel ministry where it would be easy to to be discouraged or to, to lose heart. And honestly, if anybody knew that, it was the Apostle Paul. Um, if you know a little bit about the Apostle Paul's life, he faced death uh, multiple times. 
for, for just the message that he proclaimed to people. If anyone knew discouragement, it was the, the Apostle Paul. But the Apostle Paul is, is now in the place where he is giving an encouragement to the Corinthians who, who might be feeling a bit uh, discouraged here. He, he kind of gives a nod to something that, that tends to happen in gospel ministry, whether it's a pastor or a teacher or a congregation member. Sometimes when, when you're trying to, to do some of the work of the ministry, when you're trying to reach out to people with the gospel, it can be discouraging because it's not received well, because there's a lot of rejection, because there's a lot of people that, that kind of think you're dumb for believing what you believe, and they're not afraid to say that to you. It's easy to be discouraged based on the reaction that you receive when you, you reach out with the gospel. But what Paul is trying to encourage uh, the Corinthians here, and, and no doubt how he encouraged himself, is to go back to the, the beauty and the glory and the brightness of the message that he was gifted to share. That that gives him the ultimate encouragement. That despite how anybody reacts to the words of the gospel, the brightness of that gospel is, is not going to change. That Jesus died on the cross for his sins, that Jesus died on the cross for your yours and my sins, that he has won eternal life for us, the beauty of that cannot be taken away by anyone's reaction and is the ultimate encouragement to us and is only by God's mercy that we are saved. And, did you catch what he said here? Since through God's mercy we have this ministry, it's not just by God's mercy that we are saved, it's by God's mercy that we have this ministry, it's by God's mercy that we have this message that it's been preserved well enough to this point that we can still hear the glory of the gospel on a Sunday or, or any time as we open up the, uh, the Word of God. We are blessed to, to be able to hear that. And because that gospel message is so precious, because it's so valuable and, and, and it exudes such brightness to us, we take great care in how we share that message. That's what he says in the next bit here. He says, on the contrary, uh, sorry, I'm skipping a few verses here. Let me back up. He says prior to this, it matters how we, are, how we relay that message. That we, we don't use shifty or shady tactics. We, we don't use deception. We don't change the word of God as we are sharing that gospel message because it is so precious, because it is so valuable, because we don't need to, to change it at all. We just do what Paul says here in this verse. He says, on the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Paul says, we're just going to be upfront with you. We're just going to state it plainly, no matter what your reaction could be, might be, or will be, it's Paul's job to, to just lay it out there, <laughs> to, to, to tell the truth. That's our job too. But it kind of leads us to another question. So, if this is the truth, then how come some people don't believe it? And if this gospel message is so beautiful, is so precious, and exudes such brightness and glory, how come some people can't see it? Two somewhat related questions, but we'll take them separately. And, and so, to understand the first question, I, I want you to, to reverse the premise of the first question. And, and reversing the premise would sound like, this. If we are born into sin, 
if we are born with this innate corruption that we've inherited from our parents, then how is it possible that any of us believe? When you really start to dig into who you are without Christ, when you really start to dig into what your capabilities are without Christ, it really starts to make you think. Just take a look at a few of these. Ephesians 2.1, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Romans 3.10 and 11, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. Romans 8, 7 and 8, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Those are just three of the many passages that we could dig out that talk about who we are without Christ. So maybe rather than asking, if this is true, then why don't some people believe it? It'd be better for us to ask, if we are so hostile and corrupt and lost, then how could we possibly have faith in God? How could we possibly come to faith in God? And the answer is, only by God's grace. It is God alone who gives faith. We play no part in that. We are just the, the gracious recipients of his grace. As he pours out his grace on us and creates faith in our hearts, God, through the working of the Holy Spirit, like we talked about in the children's devotion, he creates faith in our hearts. He lifts the, the veil off the gospel and shows us the brightness of what he has done for us. It is only by God's grace that, that we have faith. And, and he uses different means to create that, right? He calls us to faith with the, the gospel and creates faith in our hearts through the gospel. He, he promises the Holy Spirit is working where the gospel is preached. It, it, doesn't seem like, it maybe doesn't seem like that right now, right? But, but it's happening. When, when a baptism happens, God creates faith and he brings someone into the family of believers that it, it looks so simple, but, but what God is doing there is he's, he's sending his Holy Spirit to work through that sacrament and create and strengthen faith. It's an amazing blessing, the faith that you have been given. But to get back to the original question, the original question was this, if it is the truth, then why don't some people believe it? Well, when Scripture says two things, we have to say them both at the same time. Even if they kind of seem like a contradiction to us, because we acknowledge that God is wiser, far wiser than we would ever be. And so anything that appears to be a contradiction really isn't. It's just I'm not wise enough to figure it out. And if I try to figure it out or try to come up with an explanation that's not found in Scripture, that's where I tend to create false doctrine here. So to answer that question, we have to say two things, and the one we've already said. Faith is a complete and total gift from God to us that we can be thankful for, that we get to take no credit for, for the faith that we have. We say that on the one hand. And on the other hand, if this is the truth, then why don't some people believe it? We have the amazing power, enormous power within us, to reject God's word, to reject that gospel, to reject God's grace. Look what he says in Romans 
But for those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. The sad answer to the question, if the gospel is true, then why don't some people believe it, is actually pretty simple. It's because the gospel is rejected. Okay, keep digging out truth here. The second question was what? If the gospel is so precious, if it's so beautiful, if it exudes such brightness, how come some people can't see it? We'll look at at verse 3 in in your uh, worship folder here. Uh, The Apostle Paul says, And if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. People can't see it because it's been veiled. Unbelief and sin has put a veil over the gospel, just just like in our children's devotion today. It, It has covered Jesus up and it's covered the beauty of the gospel up so that other people can't so, so that people can't see the beauty of that gospel. The God of this age is doing his work. Uh, that, that's a term that's, that's meant to refer to the devil here. The God of this age, meaning he only has uh, a, a power in this age and his, his power is limited at that. But he is the God of this age and he's doing his work of blinding people to the brightness and the beauty of the gospel message. He, he doesn't want anybody to, to hear that gospel message. Someone once said about the, the work of the devil and, and how he blinds people, that the, the sun could be shining as bright as it, it possibly could, yet if a blind man looks up at the sun, still all he will see is darkness. Just because some people don't believe the gospel doesn't make it any less beautiful. Just because some people don't believe the gospel doesn't make it any less true. It means that the gospel has been veiled by the God of this age and by the the sin that they were born into. Yet, when the Holy Spirit does his work, his powerful work, he lifts the veil, he makes the blind see, so that with eyes of faith, then they can see the beauty of the gospel, the brightness of the gospel that shines into a a soul and drives away the darkness. And when that happens, it is a, a beautiful, amazing, remarkable thing. And, and if you've had the chance to, to experience that, maybe personally, or experience that in somebody that you love, someone that's close to you, it is a remarkable thing to witness. I, I, told, you a, I told you a Texas story last week, so I'm going I'm to tell you another one this week. Um, I, I'll, I'll lay off of them in the future so we don't get sick of them. But uh, there was a, a guy that I got to know in Texas, and he, he was not a believer, and he was very vocal about that. Um, he would come, uh, out of respect for his wife, he would come to, to worship with her um, and, because she was a believer. And, and him and I, we, we got to, to striking up a friendship, and, and over the course of time, he was willing to listen. He, he wasn't making any promises, but he was willing to, to listen um, even to, to take kind of a, a pseudo um, faith builders class. But it, it had one stipulation, it had to be around a campfire. But, but for several weeks, and by several I mean probably four, four or five months, 
we, we sat around that, that campfire, sometime for two or three hours at a time, talking about what God's word says and, and wrestling with what God's word says. And, and it didn't happen all at once. And I, I couldn't even tell you exactly when it happened. But, but pretty soon, the, the, the challenges were not challenges anymore. They were curious questions about what, what God's word it was saying. And those, those questions that were answered soon became faith. Because the Holy Spirit was doing his work. Surprise, surprise, he does work. And he works through the word. And he, and he slowly breaks down the walls in people's hearts and creates faith in those hearts. So that the veil would be lifted so that this thing, this gospel that they had been fighting against for so long was no longer something they were fighting against, but something he was believing. And when the veil was lifted, he now saw what the Apostle Paul said. He said the light, he saw the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And the excitement and the joy that comes with, with faith, especially new faith, is palpable. You can, you can feel it. You can feel the excitement that, that people have to be a part of a family of believers for the first time. They don't even know people pretty very well yet, but they know that they believe the same thing and they're excited to be a part of it. The enthusiasm that people have to, to reach out with the gospel at a time like that is, is amazing. Because they didn't know this in the past and now they know it, they believe it, and they want others to know it too. And the deep appreciation that, that he had when he came and took the Lord's Supper for the first time uh, is enough to bring tears to your eyes and, and send goosebumps down your, your spine. Because the gospel had been unveiled to him. And, and that's what the message of Jesus does. That's the work that the Holy Spirit does in hearts. Creating and strengthening faith. Okay. All great, right? But I'm guessing I'm talking to a group of Christians here for the most part. So, so what does that mean for, for somebody who's been a believer for a long time, right? Well, well can I give you two, two applications? There's lots of ways that we can apply this. I hope you've been applying things to your heart as we've walked through. But let's apply it in two ways. First, no matter how long you have believed, remember that the faith that you've been given is a gift from God. You didn't deserve it. It is a gift that he has freely given to you. So cherish that gift. Protect that gift because the devil wants to steal it away from you. Others want to steal it away from you. Protect that gift. Treasure it. And be around the means that make that gift of faith grow. And number two is somewhat connected to that. The God of this age isn't just working on unbelievers. In fact, I'd make the case that the, the God of this age, the devil, he's working harder on you than he's working on any unbeliever. He already has the unbeliever. He, he doesn't have you. He doesn't own you. And so he's going to try as hard as he can to put the veil back on the gospel. Because he doesn't want, to see, he doesn't want you to see how beautiful and bright that gospel is. He doesn't want that gospel to have effects in your life 
He wants to throw the veil back on so you can't see it. And so what he'll do is employ all kinds of tactics to do it. He'll make you chase after the shinier, brighter thing. He'll make the gospel look dull in comparison to the thing that's going to give you pleasure now or the thing that's going to make your life better now. He'll make the gospel look dim in comparison to those things. He will try to obscure the gospel by throwing a veil over it, by introducing false teaching to confuse people or to take people's hope and comfort away. He'll sow seeds of apathy so that, you know, the, listening to the word read or preached or, or experiencing, uh, witnessing a, a baptism or taking the Lord's Supper, it, it seems like a small, not so thrilling sort of thing that we do. He's going to tempt and tempt and tempt and tempt so he can obscure the gospel message and throw that veil back over it again. And so the encouragement through all of that is cling to the Word of God and protect that faith by clinging to the Word of God that gives you strength. Paul describes the Word of God as a sword in, in Ephesians chapter 6. He, he's talking about the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, and, and he's talking about all the different defensive armor that, that people would wear, yet the only offensive weapon that he, he puts in Ephesians chapter 6 is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So cling to the word of God to fight against the God of this age. The, the, the Mount of Transfiguration was kind of an interesting time for the, the disciples because it was the first time that they saw his full glory. Now, now don't get me wrong, they believed that, that he was truly God prior to, uh, prior to this Mount of Transfiguration. And he had given them hints to that effect. He, he performed miracles and they had seen his miracles. They, they had heard his authoritative teaching, which confirmed to them that he was who he said he was. But now Peter, James, and John get to see Jesus in his full glory in front of them. Prior to that, when they looked at Jesus, he didn't look any different than anybody else. There was nothing in his appearance that stuck out that said, this is the Son of God. It's sort of the same way for us. When it comes to the means that God has given us to give us his grace and to create and strengthen faith. We've kind of referenced it a few times. When the gospel is preached here, when, it, when it's read, it, it, doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like anything big is happening. When a baby is baptized, it, it, it doesn't seem like much. It's pretty simple and we move on pretty quickly from it. When the Lord's Supper is, is distributed... It, it, it doesn't seem like much, a, a, a wafer and a little bit of wine, right? But if we could see the full glory of what God is doing in those means, we would be astounded. And because God has given you eyes of faith, he has allowed you to see some of it. If we saw a baptism for what it truly was, when that water is poured over a, a child's head and the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is spoken... If you saw what was truly happening there, you would gasp and you would cry and you would cheer all at the same time because that child is dying with Christ. He's being buried with Christ and he's being raised with Christ and his sins are being washed away. If you saw what was happening truly, when that elderly woman comes up to receive the, the Lord's Supper, 
you would see that she is receiving the body and blood of Christ. The same body and blood of Christ that was given for her on the cross for her forgiveness. That as lonely as she may feel in life, Christ is truly present with her at that moment. If you saw what was truly happening when the gospel is preached, if you heard the devil's shrieks as Christ's victory is proclaimed over him yet again, we'd be coming back again and again, and that's why we do. Because God has given us eyes of faith to see glory where he has promised glory in this life. Glory where, where he promises we will see his full glory someday in heaven. So what? So what? What's, what's, what do we walk away with today? Right? We previously asked the question, if the gospel is so precious, so amazing, and exudes such brightness, brightness why don't some people believe it? And, and I think we've, we've dug out some applications. We've, we've dug into the theology of that a bit. But I want to ask it to you a different way. What are you going to do about it? Because could it be that that person hasn't seen the brightness of the gospel yet because someone hasn't invited them to come and hear, to come and see the glory of God preached in the the Word, administered in the sacraments? Could it be that someone hasn't been patient enough with someone to put up with the rejection, to put up with the, the, the waywardness, that they haven't been patient enough to keep reaching out to them? And so they haven't seen the brightness of God's glory yet. Could it be, could it be that no one, no one has shown them in how they've lived just how amazing the gospel message of Jesus is? Let's resolve to never let that be the case. But let's do two things. Let's set the truth of Christ out plainly, despite what the, the reactions might be And let's unveil the gospel for for people so they can see the brightness and beauty of Christ's glory. God grant it. Amen. Hey there, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for taking time this week to, to be in the Word and to grow in your faith. We know that where the Word is preached, the Holy Spirit is working to strengthen and to create faith in the hearts of people. Now, Because we know that's the case, Uh, And if you enjoy these sermon podcasts, we'd we'd really love it if you'd share these with your friends. Uh, This is an easy way to evangelize and to get the word into people's ears. And and as a way of also doing that, could you hit like or subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast? This is just a way that we are able to be seen by more people so that more people may hear this gospel message. We hope you'll join us next week as we, we dive into God's word yet again. God bless.